Good morning, church. Good morning to those that are online. My name is Ray Brandon. I'm pastor for uh, preaching and teaching uh, here at Northbridge. Thank you, John, for leading us in singing and for um, bringing us into the presence of God in, in prayer. Um, we're going to take our Bibles and, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's towards the end of uh, the Bible that you have in front of you. A few things um, as, we, as we get going this morning. We had a, a wonderful time yesterday um, in our parenting seminar. And uh, so we... Um, that was, uh, was full, and we do have um, your books. They will be here this next week. Um, so Raising Passionate Jesus Followers, it's an excellent, excellent book. So if you were unable to make that seminar, um, get a copy of the, the book and, uh, and go through that. Um, we do have tomorrow night, uh, Live Not By Lies. It is a, it's a, uh, a secular book with some Christian reflection on uh, past and current events. And so we have just a panel discussion. We just hope to, to be able to chat and talk um, through the book, to agree, disagree, um, to reflect on that, to reflect on our own faith. And um, as we, we walk and navigate uh, the, the, the world, in the culture and the world around us, I'm looking forward to that. So we have a, a pastor, a scientist, um, a philosopher, and a, a high school student on that discussion panel. And so that should be just a great living room discussion. That's open. If, even if you didn't read the book, um, you're welcome to attend. Sometimes it's helpful to get a preview. Um, I think the discussion that uh, everyone can engage um, with and, and in. And so we would want to invite you. That's part of our Connect event. Um, I'm, I'm looking for, I'd like to host uh, myself, I'd like to host another Connect event. Um, similar to the Live Not By Lies. And so I'm looking for another book. I'm open to suggestions. Um, so if you want to suggest um, a book to me that, that maybe we would read as a community or those that <clears throat> are interested would read. Now at the top of my list right now is, um, is Carl, or Carl Truman's um, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Um, this has made a whole bunch of like the top books of 2020. Um, and that's a real special list because a lot of people were stuck at home doing a lot of reading. So um, the top books of 2020 are perhaps better than the top books of 2019. I don't, I don't know, but this has been on a lot of book lists. I've just begun reading it. Um, but if you have got some suggestions for that, um, I'm, I'm open to those. You can just use your connection response card and, uh, and maybe suggest something for me, and we'll, we'll think about that. All right, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let me read for you verses 8 through 13, the text for this morning's message. Verses 8 through 13. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain, they must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well." 
For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful for those that serve and we are thankful for those that lead in serving and go before us uh, creating a pattern um, as they pattern their lives. We can see in the flesh as they point us towards Jesus, the greatest servant of all. And so we thank you for salvation. Um, We give you praise for what you have done for us, to us, in us, and through us knowing that you're continuing to do your good and great work until it is complete, both in our lives, in our family, in our church, and in all of history. Um, We are people of hope, people of the promise. And so we, with glad hearts, with joy in our hearts, um, worship you this morning, knowing this is the, the most important thing that we could do in our week, in our daily lives, and in our life is to instruct and point people towards you and love in very practical ways in the way that you have loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a reminder of of what this book is about, what this letter, this epistle from Paul is, the the purpose and what, what he's writing. He wants to set order to the house of the church at Ephesus. Timothy is the pastor there and uh, he's been given a job to set order to appoint elders um, here instructions for deacons as well and we see that Paul has this purpose that it is rooted and grounded in the character of God himself God is a God of order God's a God of order and he has set that order in creation itself Um, he set that order in creation already there has been a reference Um, to the created order in this epistle, um, speaking about the the nature of humanity, um, that God has created men and women with certain distinctions. Um, They are humanity. They are um, a a part of humanity, men and women, but they are distinct. So part of humanity and part of God's good creation, um, they have intrinsic value and worth. Neither is more valuable than the other. No one drove to church this morning saying my front right tire is more valuable than the left back tire. That would have been foolish, right? Um, You know, and even more so if you rode a motorcycle. God bless you if you did at like 17 degrees. You wouldn't say one tire is more valuable than the other. If one goes out, you're, you're left sitting by the road. So in God's good created order, um, he's created man and woman, um, intrinsic value, but yet different, different, different roles. And he has, since this order is the order of the house of God, the church, um, there are different roles for men and women in God's house. And he has spoken to that earlier in chapters one and two. Um, and he is addressing now, um, he, set, he set the understanding of that order, especially the end of chapter 2, and addressing now, in particular, the men in the church um, in these offices that God has called certain men to occupy. Um, there is a pattern here 
Um, it's a pattern in these offices, the office of elder and then the office of deacon. There's a certain pattern here that in general we all ought to aspire to. Um, and there are really two tracks for leadership for men in particular. Um, th so there's the track of leadership of elder and there's the track of leadership of a deacon. And I would suggest to all of you as men that um, these are a track that you are, should be aspiring, you should be initiating on one or the other, whether or not you occupy that particular office in the church or not. The, the first is that of a, a, a teacher leader, and that's the, the elder, pastor, bishop, uh, shepherd office. Um, and so it has, it has some particular qualifications. And then there is the servant leader office, and that, that is uh, of deacon. Because God is a God of order, he has these two particular offices so that the church would function well, that it would function well. And, and I would say for a church to function well, based on what God's word is saying, that there's a general application, certainly to all of us, when it comes to this kind of character that God's word is laying out, there's application to all of us. There's application a little bit more narrow when it comes to men in particular in, in how they are developing in their character um, as men. Um, and then there is application in particular for those men in, in this office. So um, there is, there's a lot in this here. We're not going to make a whole lot of application today. I, I want to explain a few things from the scriptures this morning. Um, but, but just speaking about a God of order, God has um, an office, but he has people, he has servants in his church because there are problems. There are problems that need to be solved. I, I am thankful um, for problem solvers. Right? So there's, there's, that, is, that is ultimately this office of deacon um, in the church. When we ask, well, what exactly are deacons? Um, they, are, they, are, they are men with wisdom that apply God's word and apply the, the resources of the community of faith, God's church, to, to solve problems. And there's many different resources. There's talents. And so you just look at those that are gathered all over this auditorium. There are some amazing talents and abilities that God has brought into his church in his body. It's incredible. The abilities that are just in this room right here. The education, the skills the wisdom that are gathered here together in this room. It's absolutely amazing. There's very little that we could not do with just the people here in this room. You realize that? It's an amazing thing. Right? God said that if we have his word and we really truly understand the mission, that the word of God, the spirit of God, are going to give us all the resources that we need. We will not be lacking now, sometimes our expectations need to line up with God's word as to what is need, right? But he's saying, like, we have, and it's amazing, the talents, skill, ability, resources that we have in this room. To much that is given, much is required. And we are a church of great wealth 
when you consider all of these things. And God's called us to proclaim the gospel so that first and foremost, people might flourish spiritually and be free of their sins and know their purpose, know that they have value as an individual, but they are broken because of their sin. And they are under God's wrath, but there is freedom. There's freedom in Jesus because of what he has done. And it's Jesus that, that truly takes that person who has value and sets them where they ought to be because of his work and, and gives them direction. Right? This, one of the things that um, is happening in this world is there is no direction. There's no direction. Right? The, the project of enlightenment that's been happening for many, many decades, um, our, our world is unsatisfied with, and um, it, the, the enlightenment is not our hope, but they want to tear that down and start all over with something. With what? Nobody knows. And that cycle will continue. That, that will continue. The, the true thing about this world, as G.K. Chesterton said, and I'm not quoting directly, um, but he said, when you study the history of the world, um, it is not progressing. It's not always getting better. It's not always getting worse. He said in English fashion, the world wobbles. Sometimes it gets better and sometimes it gets worse. The struggle is men and women without God have no idea in what direction it's going, but we know what direction that it's going. And we have a tremendous amount of resources to solve problems within the church, but also to proclaim the hope outside of the church. And so here is setting things to order. God is calling through the Apostle Paul to give instructions to Timothy to appoint deacons. Deacons are servants who are problem solvers, practical problem solvers in the church. There are three things that I want you to note um, about the office of deacon in the church. First, deacons have the authority to solve problems. He makes it clear from of the list here of qualifications that we find in this passage, verses 8 through 13, um, that he is exhorting men to serve in the church and to serve well in the church. If they didn't have authority, um, there wouldn't be a qualified list. Right, So it begins, verse 8 begins with the word likewise. Likewise, it's significant. It links the, the qualifications of pastors or overseers or elders to the qualifications of deacons together. Both offices are in the church. Both overseers and deacons have authority in God's church, and they must have certain qualifications. Um, if we compare the qualifications from deacons to, to elders, we'll see that they're very, very similar. They're very similar. So verse 8 says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So dignified is, is to be honorable. It's honorable and deserving respect. The phrase double-tongued there means that, that a man must not be a hypocrite, or we might say two-faced, living a... a, 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 a uh, one way on Sunday and living another way throughout the week. Not addicted to much wine means that um, he is not a drunkard, not, a, not dependent upon any kind of substance in his body, but rather the, 
the scriptures say that the, the place that we have dependency ought to be on the Spirit of God. As the Spirit of God is in us and fills us, there ought to be nothing else that we are dependent on. Not greedy for dishonest gain means not a lover of money. And we get to verse 9. Then we read, he must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. The mystery of faith um, with a clear conscience. So Paul oftentimes refers to the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the, the promise of forgiveness of sins, and the infusion of life into this life that takes us through the wrath of God into the blessing of the next so that we are no longer under God's wrath, but rather we go through it because Jesus already passed through it. He talks about this in this way. It's a mystery because you think about the time um, that they're living, right? This is just the, it's the, the turn of the Old Testament. There was 400 years of silence and now the New Testament. And what the Old Testament promised and was a mystery is now no longer a mystery, but it's revealed in Christ. They know who the promise is, and now they know what it looks like, that this coming is very different, and we look forward to the second coming of Jesus. We look forward to that day when he sets everything right. Now, think about this too, friends. Um, it's easy as Christians. I said this last week that there's two ditches that we can fall into with our attitude with things that are happening in today's world. One is pessimism and the other is optimism. And really as Christians, what we need to be is realists. We need to look at the world with eyes and say, this is happening and to be hopeful in Jesus, right? So we do look forward to the fact that Jesus is coming back and he can come back at any time, um, but we don't know when. We don't know when. So if you hear someone, especially who is a pessimist, say, well, all of this means Jesus is coming back, your answer is maybe, right? Maybe. It, it could be that 9,000 years from now, they refer to us as the early church. Remember back in 2021 when the early church? You know, that, that could be. We don't know what's going to happen. We're people of... We're people of hope, and he's, Paul is referring to this, this mystery here. You know, what we need to say is, like, we could be in for some really dark times, but we could be on the edge of a revival that this world has never seen before, right? So that's where we need to not fall to either ditch, but to be realistic people of hope. And here Paul says that deacons themselves must hold the mystery of faith, this promise, so it, they have to know doctrine. They are practical problem solvers. So they, they are men who take God's word and there's a problem within the church, within people's lives, and they take the scriptures and they apply it in practical ways. They need to know God's word and says with a clear conscience. In other words, they need to have practice because they're living that out in their life, right? They're living it out in their life. That's those two things. Paul's going to repeat this same principle a little later in First Timothy where he says to Timothy, he reminds him to pay close attention to his doctrine and how he lives. He states this principle in, his, in the writings of Scripture in multiple ways in multiple places. That they hold 
the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. So when we, we talk about deacons, they need to know God's word and hold God's word and be able to think through God's word. In our parenting seminar yesterday, um, we, we talked about um, families having goals and values. Uh, goals and values. These men learn to hold this mystery of faith with a clear conscience um, because um, they're doing it in their home. They have practice in their home. We talked about the difference between goals and values. As parents, we have one goal for our children, and that is to raise passionate Jesus followers. But our families, and you think about the families even, you look around and think about the families in the room, and they have different values. They have very different values, right? So there's certain things that, that we're going to value along the journey, right? And, and that's, that's fine. That's good. Our values serve the goal. Our values serve the goal. That's how it works in families. It's also how you think about churches, not all churches are the same. And that's why we've spent some time working out our identity and our vision. What has God called this church to? Because even as, even as in the local expression of the body of Christ, every one of you has a place in ministry and, and we function well when you, are, when you are ministering as a part of the church, in the church, and in the community. We are doing what the local expression, this church, should do. There are churches that preach and teach the gospel. Not all churches do. There are churches in our community and around Southwest Michigan that preach and teach the gospel that have unique gifts as well. God's called people in that place to do a particular thing, right? To, to be an expression of the gospel in particular ways. And so churches have this kind, they, they, um, they're, they're cut from the same pattern, but they're made up of different cloth. Right? They look the same, they conform to the image of Christ, um, but they do different things within the, the community. And so that, that's, the, that's the relationship. They all have the same goal, but they're going to have different values. The values serve the goal. Um, oftentimes where families get off track, churches get off track, um, serving ministry gets off track, is when there are competing values, Right? This is, you know, life is, life is not a series of easy choices. It's a series of difficult choices, right? So in my family, if you want to, like, cause the, the, my, the hair on the back of my neck to bristle and just, you'll snap your gum. I don't know why. I've repented of it. Lord, change me. But, like, it's just like, I don't know why that bothers me. Right? So I have a choice. Right? And life isn't like this. Like, do I kill the person or not? Right? Life isn't always that black and white. The, you know, because that's an easy decision. Right? For most of us. <laughs> that's an easy decision. I'm not going to kill my neighbor. But see, life isn't like that. Um, life oftentimes is competing good values. And what happens is... We have these competing good values, and we forget the goal. Right? So deacons as practical problem solvers, God's saying, well, they need to be qualified men with experience who are doing this practically in their life 
because it only gets more complex in the body of Christ. And so they need to be problem solvers. They need to be able to figure these things out and take scripture and be able to apply it. They do it in a different way than elders, but they really are moving towards the same goal in the body of Christ, but they have a different role. But, but doctrine, teaching, the word of God is not something separate from serving. It's very much a part of everyday problem solving. Verse 10, it says that deacons are to be tested first. It says, let them serve as deacons um, if they prove themselves blameless. Who are they to be tested by? Um, they're to be tested by the, the overseers, the elders. The elders are to take the, the lead in this. But the implication is that they're to be tested by the congregation. And if they are found to be blameless and morally upright by the church, um, then it is the church that is to appoint them to the office. Um, so we, we see that um, the congregation is involved in, in three things um, in the scriptures. Uh, the congregation itself in the word of God is responsible for the reception of new members, bringing in people who are new members because you're bringing them into a covenant, an, a covenant together. Um, they're responsible to covenant in, but they're also responsible for covenanting out when it comes to the last stages of church discipline. And then they are, they are responsible for the appointment of church officers. So pastors and, and elders. So congregations themselves are that final uh, decision making, maker in, in the process. And we see that um, here in elders or deacons that they are to be uh, tested. In verse 11, we read that their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. You know, so um, their wives... Have, have some qualifications um, here. Um, it is really interesting as you, as you look at this particular verse, we won't dive too deeply um, into this, but the ESV, the King James Version, the New King James Version, the NET, the NIV translate the word here, wives. The New American Standard Bible um, says women must be likewise dignified. So one version out of many versions, the New American Standard says, says, says women, taking the position that this can be an office that women occupy, uh, the editors of that, um, of that scripture take that position, whereas the, other, the other, other editorial committees take the position of that it's wives. Um, we would agree with the majority, it should be translated um, wives here rather than women. And some people will say, and this, I'm, I, again, I don't want to get too much into the weeds of a cultural discussion here, but some will say, well, what about Phoebe, who was called a servant or a deaconess? Um, and I, I, I would say she did not serve in this office as a deacon. It's not referring to that. She was a, a servant in the church, um, in the church uh, shortly after this time, in the early church. Uh, there, there was not, not an office, but there, there were women who, according to the biblical regulations, were of a certain age, who were widows, who actually took a vow to serve in the church, and the church actually supplied their needs. So they were, um, we would say in our vernacular, they were employed full-time um, by the, the church, 
and uh, they served in the church, but they did not hold the office. Um, they were widows who were not going to be, who, who made a vow not to marry. They were of a certain age. And uh, it, it's uh, an early form, we, we might, might say this, it's an early form of nuns, although I wouldn't want to go that far um, because it's very different, but you kind of get the idea. That's what Phoebe did. And so here we have this, this qualification that um, their wives must have these particular distinctions. Why is that? Why not say that of elders? Um, well, in practical problem solving, you're dealing with men and women. You're dealing with all kinds of issues within the church, within households. And while I'm you know, teaching up front, um, you know, I know Grace is somewhere cheering me on, supporting what I do. Um, but her presence is not necessary in what I'm doing right now. It's not necessary. Um, I'm very grateful for her and grateful for her feedback every Sunday. You're grateful for it over the years because my preaching has improved because of her coaching. And, but there's a difference between a deacon who's involved in a, in a family um, and they will need their wife in that, um, in that setting, especially even more so in the ancient Near East at this time. Um, and as well in certain cultures. There's just certain things that men would not do and not be a part of, including in our day. It's more appropriate for the deacon's wife to handle that. Um, so while they're not occupying the office, Paul understands that a wife is necessary to the solving of these practical problems in the church, and so we have that qualification here in the text. Um, in verse 12 as well. So let me say this too. When you pray and you pray for the officers in the church, for pastors and for deacons, um, this is a reminder too that um, to pray for their family and to pray for their wife, um, especially here when it comes to, to the wives of deacons as they are mentioned in the text. Verse 12, um, Paul returns to the deacon himself. He says, let deacons... Each be the husband of one wife. So this supports the, the interpretation that men are to hold the office of deacon. Um, Paul's point is that deacon-like overseers are to be faithful. They are to be morally faithful to their, their, their wives. And then we read, managing their children and their own households well. Um, this is similar to the qualifications for elder, but it's not quite the same. Both overseers and deacons have authority over the church of God. Both must manage their, their home, um, in the, their, the church in the same way they manage their home, and, and hence this qualification. Both must demonstrate the ability to, to manage their household holds, but overseers are also to keep their children in submission with all dignity. So there's a, a, an additional requirement that naturally corresponds to the duty to lead in an overseer um, that... Um, is not here in deacons. It's important. There's probably some implications. Maybe we want to want to be careful that we don't read too much into that. But it's very interesting that there is one and not the other. Um, so we probably don't want to extend that in either direction too far. Um, but Paul does um, make a distinction. In verse 13, we find a word of encouragement for deacons. I think this is very important. 
um, in our day. It's a, it's a word of encouragement. Uh, it, it, is, um, it, it corresponds with uh, what we see in verse 1 where he says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires to a noble task. Now in verse 13 we read this, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for, for them, themselves also, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so in other words, there's spiritual blessings that accompany faithful service as a deacon. Right? That a deacon is to be honored in Christ's church. Right? We're to, we are, as God's people, to give honor to these servants who apply God's wisdom to practical problems. Right? We need to give honor to these men who serve because when you think about what they're managing and the fact that they've said yes to take on this task is no small thing to be a servant. They are managing their household, but they are also managing a lot of other things. They are willingly and joyfully taking on problems. Now, how many of you here, if we were honest would say, I don't have enough problems, bring it on. I'm raising two hands, I want more problems to solve in my life. That's what deacons do. They deserve honor because they serve. And listen, how do problems come? Do they neatly line up on Tuesdays? You know, just give you a break on Monday, right? Is that how they come? Or do they tend to come at the most inconvenient times and they come in packs like wolves, right? That's how they happen, right? And maybe that's God's providential design to remind us that we're not responsible to solve all of the world's problems, that we have to be dependent upon him because he is the ultimate solution. But these are men who serve. Oh, that we would give honor to those who serve and serve well. Because here, God says, not, not only should we give honor, but God gives blessing. It's a blessing to serve. Now, there's, there's perhaps uh, an application for that in all of us, that you know, when we serve, we are recognizing, we're seeing the blessing of God. How many people come, become disconnected from the community of faith and, and sometimes from their own faith because they fail in taking the attitude of a servant. Because you see that it's the attitude of a servant, right? Jesus himself came to do what? Came to serve. It's that attitude when we stop serving, we stop seeing the blessing, and we start beginning to believe the illusion that I'm at the center and life is all about me. And we disconnect ourselves uh, from God's good grace. And so if you are feeling alone and isolated and you're struggling, maybe it's time to start serving. Maybe it's time, why? why? Because, because you want a blessing? No, because it, what it takes in order to, to connect to serving ultimately is a heart and attitude change. Right? That's, that's what it takes. Right? That's what these qualifications are speaking to that a servant of God has to, has to do some heart work 
first. And sometimes it helps to jump into the deep end or, or at least to serve in small ways to say, okay, I'm gonna get involved here in this way, right? Because sometimes your heart follows your obedience and God uses your obedience to change your heart. So that's the first mark there. Deacons have the authority to solve problems. They, the church needs to give them authority to solve problems. We need to unleash them to solve the problems because they know God's word, they're qualified, and we need to allow them to do the work that God's called them to do. We need to give honor to them uh, as they do the work. And we, we need to recognize as they see God's blessing, God will bless them and he will bless the church. Second, deacon authority is different from elder authority. We've already talked about this, but there's um, three ways um, that it's uh, different. Uh, in verse 8, um, the word likewise um, means similar but not the same. Um, if they were same, they would have, um, Paul would have dealt with them together. Um, both are author authoritative offices in Christ church, um, but they're different. We're going to consider that um, in just a moment, the difference. That's actually all of point three. Um, two, they're similar because of the set qualifications that the authority of overseers um, they have authority. There's qualifications with that authority. Deacons have authority, but that authority um, is not the same. It's not the same. The, the deacons there serve not just the congregation, but they also serve the elders, allowing the elders to do what God's called them to do so that the deacons serve in such a way that it actually frees the elders to serve the congregation in a different way. Um, they're different. Um, the titles themselves imply um, different kinds of authority. Deacon means servant, a servant leader. An overseer um, um, means, uh, I'm sorry, um, deacons means servant, overseer means leader. Both implied that they serve. Both are service positions. Um, one leads and one serves in a particular way. Elders are called to teach, while deacons are called to solve practical problems. Um, so deacons specifically, the third mark, um, and it is the difference, is that they're called to care for the physical needs of the church. Now, this passage doesn't address that in particular. Um, we could go back to Acts 6. We're not going to go there today, but Acts 6 is at the beginning of the church. And at the beginning of the church, you had a racial division and a problem that centered around uh, the, the disproportionate service of one ethnic group of, of widows and another ethnic group of widows. And we see actually the beginning ministry of deacons in Acts 6. Right, so we've, we are involved in um, racial discussions and racial issues. They are not easy. They are incredibly complex. Um, they're complex in the church. They're complex as the church addresses these issues with the gospel. They're complex as we move out um, as a church into the world to proclaim that the gospel is the answer. But we, we need practical ways to move through this. And so... The early church appointed six men to be the practical problem solvers. And you can see why you need uh, the, the body of scripture to apply to that particular problem. It wasn't just simply the logistics of meals on wheels to those that couldn't get out or didn't have enough money or those kinds of things. It was far more complex than that. 
And so here we see that um, from Acts 6, there's a particular um, way that, that elders serve. They serve with the, or I'm sorry, deacons serve. They serve with the word of God, but they're there to meet these particular physical needs. And um, as a result, they perpetuate, they strengthen, they increase the ministry of the word in practical ways within the church. Um, the, their, uh, their primary role is to serve people in the church. And, and the, the primary thing that they need to increase, the goal, um, Paul talks about it, the aim is, is this. It is love that issues from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Right? So the office of deacon, our servants, whose goal is to increase the love in the church, the love for one another by, pra- by solving problems practically so that the world sees God's order in God's people and the gospel clearly. It's a wonderful job. It's a, a beautiful responsibility that we should pursue. We should pursue um, serving. Uh, let's, let's wrap this up this morning and um and just tie this together there's certainly a lot of application um in this when it comes to serving i'm going to trust that uh, the spirit of god will do most of that for us as you spend some time in these next few minutes whether you're at home or, um, or you're here in the room that you'll spend some time contemplating okay god what does this mean for for me but let me reflect in this way um there's recently a significant study of attitudes in America, both of um, people that were irreligious, right? So did not have any religion. They were asked several questions. Um, and and uh, a book was written based on this study. 84% of Americans today said enjoying life is their, is their highest priority. It's the highest priority in life, enjoying life. 86% of Americans said that you are to pursue the things that you desire most. Pursue the things that you desire most. So um, 91% of Americans said to find yourself, you need to look within yourself. Right? So you think about this. You know, these are not the statistics of 50, 60, 70 years ago. You'd find a whole different face in America. So basically, when we look at the culture around us, they would say the purpose in life is enjoyment while looking inside yourself to find true happiness. So basically hedonism. That's, that's the soup that we live in, that's the air that we breathe outside of understanding God's word. But listen, in that same study, here are the statistics for Christians. Enjoying yourself is the highest priority in life, 66%. Pursue the things you desire the most, 72%. To find yourself, you need to look within yourself, 76%. It's no wonder there's a shortage of servants within the body of Christ. 
because we're running after things we value rather than the goal. And so what the church needs is they need to look towards deacons, men who are called to serve and solve problems. Where does that begin? It begins right in the home because that's that's a huge part of that practice and qualification. So I think one of the applications is we need to strengthen men and we need to strengthen our homes or we will fail to strengthen the witness of the gospel in the world. And that doesn't mean that the home is over the church or the church is over the home. God's designed the home. Um, He's designed um, these roles. These are temporary things in light of um, the fact that we are an eternal family. But we are to be that, that signpost, that hope within the world. And if 76% of, of Christians here in America are saying the answer's within you, there's not a lot of hope. Because the answer is not within you, it's not within me. It's in God's word. And it's godly men who serve. Godly men make sacrifices and set other good things aside. We've been blessed. We are wealthy, and we need to take that blessing. Even the poorest among us are blessed and wealthy in this age compared to all the world and all the world in human history. And so somewhere, some way, we've bought into the illusion that life is for me and my good pleasure. We are a long way away from the Westminster Catechism that says, what is life for, right? The chief end of man, right, is to to what? Who knows the catechism? Glorify God God and enjoy him forever. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Serving is vital to our flourishing. Serving is vital to our flourishing. Serving is vital that Christians in the the body are cared for, body and and soul. So I want to ask you, are you serving? Is that part of your regular basis of, of your regular week? Are you serving? Men, are, are you aspiring to serve and serve in the church in particular ways that cause not just your family to flourish, but you've developed an order and discipline in your own life that allows you to serve others so that flourishing can happen in the body of Christ? We've got a lot of challenges ahead of us. They're good challenges. And God has given us what we need to overcome. He's given us the word of God. I'm thankful for the challenges that lie ahead of us. I'm ready. I know you're ready. God is preparing, once again, the world for good news. And he's called you and me to be a part of that. And he's called us to do it in the same way that he did it at his first coming, looking forward to his second coming. And it's the hope that's in Jesus Christ. May we repent of hoping and trusting and finding our security and our identity in any other thing. And may we find it in Jesus.
Oh, that God would raise up men as elders and men as deacons. Because when that happens, everyone else flourishes. That's God's good order from his great word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Um, and we give you praise for it unapologetically in our culture. We know that, that things that I have said, that our cultural conscience pushes against it. But we know that this is your glory and your good grace that you have given the church. So we ask this morning that you will continue to do your work in our midst, the work of the gospel, and that you will raise up individuals to lead in their homes and in the church. Lord, as we contemplate this, may we think about our own role in this, and may you move us to obedience, praise, and joy. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.